This is the Nerd and Tie Podcast. Welcome to Bullshit Free Witchcraft. Hey, it's we made it to another episode. Everybody, congratulate yourself. My name is Trey Dorn, and this is your podcast about the modern witchcraft movement, minus the usual bullshit. Uh, this episode, we are talking about a subject which is really tangential to, to the modern witchcraft movement, but I think it's an important piece of history that is really important for understanding the evolution of witchcraft in America, especially. Uh, but like, it, it's a huge influential moment that has shaped so much of the culture, even though it's not directly witchcraft. And that is, of course, as I promised many months ago to talk about, the Satanic Panic. The Satanic Panic of the 70s, 80s, and 90s. It's for those of you who are too young to remember, <laughs> which I'm assuming that is a chunk of you, uh, because we've now reached the point where there are adults who don't remember this, the America was pretty much gripped in the fear that evil Satanists were trying to take over the world, mostly led by the evangelicals, but at its worst, it was a fairly mainstream idea. Um, by, by the end of the 90s, it wasn't so much, and it was just the, uh, the, the far right who thought this was happening, but uh, at, at one point, this was national news. This was everywhere. And so I think we need to talk about it because it, it really did change um, a lot of things in witchcraft, in, in the modern witchcraft movement, at least. And so we're going to talk about it. So yeah, in starting in the 70s, uh, American evangelical Christians became convinced that a secret conspiracy of satanic cults was trying to take over the world. <laughs> yeah, it's it was a thing, people. Um, the satanic panic wasn't caused by just one thing, but a snowballing accumulation of cultural circumstances that are kind of amazing when you think about them. Um, when Anton LaVey published the Satanic Bible in 1966, which brought modern Satanism to the public consciousness, that that's not really where it kicked off. I mean, it, it didn't help, and certainly it frightened a lot of right-wing evangelicals, but uh, things didn't really kick off until uh, Christian author uh, Mike Warnke wrote The Satan Seller in 1972. Warnke claimed to have been part of a Satanist coven in the 60s, then until he was kicked out for learning too much about uh, how the world was being secretly run by the Illuminati. And it's a big bag of lies. It's uh, the group he claimed to be a member of. There's no evidence for his own personal, like, evidence of his own personal history contradicts his narrative. And he's been pretty much exposed as a complete and total fraud. Um, but people bought what he was selling, and he became a self-described expert on satanic cults, and he made a lot of money going around to Christian groups talking about how there was this evil cult of Satanists taking over the world, or running the world. It's, um, 
What's the alleged P.T. Barnum quote? There's a sucker born every minute. Yeah, he took he took full advantage of this. And we could spend a lot of time talking about Warnke and how he got people to donate to him to help save kids from cults that didn't exist and he just pocketed the money. But uh, this was this was really the seed of it all. And, and boy, did it grow. Uh, more ex-Satanists and you'll have to imagine the air quotes I'm pulling around ex-Satanists there, came out of the woodwork, including John Todd, whose stories became the basis of a lot of Jack Chick tracts. And if you don't know what a Chick tract is, uh, they're those little evangelical comics that uh, are often unintentionally hilarious and will be shoved into your hands as you're walking to the 4th of July fireworks by a small child that the local church has thought would seem non-threatening and that no one would yell at a child for shoving a comic in their hands. But they don't know me. I've yelled at children before. No, actually, I, I did not yell at that child. I just felt really awkward and... Like, who puts their kid in that situation? That's just bad parenting. Anyways. Yeah. Also, at the same time, and this is an important thing to note, um, and not really, it doesn't really have to directly do with Satanism at all, but the Jonestown Massacre occurred in uh, Guyana. And... Let's just, Jim Jones was a cult leader, um, and in 1978, uh, he... Uh, 909 people died in his Jonestown settling. All but two from uh, cyanide, cyanide poisoning in an event termed revolutionary suicide. Uh, some of it was voluntary, some of it was not voluntary, and it is the um, it, like, it's 300, over 300 of the victims were minors. It's awful. It's this awful, awful moment and is the largest single loss of American civilian life in a deliberate act until, like, 9-11 happened. Like, Jonestown was bad. But, so, there is this massive fear of cults because of this. And there are these people walking around saying there are satanic cults secretly underpinning the United States. Think about these two things happening at the same time. And Christian evangelicals were freaked out. I mean, they had this huckster going around telling them that uh, multiple hucksters, once, you know, Todd and the like entered the field, going around telling them that they had been members of the satanic cults. They see these, this, uh, the Jonestown Massacre, like which, while not related to Satanism, is again this fear of these, these cult groups. And the evangelicals begin to lay it on thick. Um, they start to tell people about uh, secret messages hidden in rock music through backmaskings. Uh, Dungeons and Dragons gets dragged through the mud. And, like, lies about poison Halloween candy start passing out there. All these, like, none of this stuff is true. I mean... Yes, there are some musicians who backmasked stuff in as a joke afterwards, but there wasn't a conspiracy behind it. It was some guy being a jerk in a recording studio. And it just started with the evangelicals, but eventually it spread 
beyond it. And people, it started to hit mainstream. And people were scared AF. And then some of the darkest stuff happened. And those are the scares about satanic ritual sexual abuse. And let's be clear, these allegations are literally nonsense and have been repeatedly proven false. But people believed it, and believed it hard. In 1980, Michelle Smith and her husband, Dr. Lawrence Pazder, released a book called Michelle Remembers, which detailed supposed ritual abuse from Smith's childhood. That's where we get the term ritual abuse. Of course, mostly it was a fiction written by Pazder, but it sold the idea that there were secret satanic cults sexually abusing and murdering kids and women across the country. And then, and then, rather than just being hypotheticals in people's books and supposed memoirs, the McMartin preschool case happened. In 1983, in Manhattan Beach, California, a woman named Judy Johnson alleged that her young son had been molested by her estranged husband and Ray Buckley, a teacher at McMartin Preschool. She also claimed that people working for the daycare performed acts of bestiality and that, and I quote, the school administrator Peggy McMartin Buckley drilled a child under the arms and that Ray Buckley, quote-unquote, flew in the air. Some sources say Johnson's son denied the abuse, while some say he confirmed it. Uh, what we do know now that we did not know then was that Johnson suffered from schizophrenia and that this, in all likelihood, was a delusion from her untreated illness. I mean, she claimed a guy was flying. I don't want to be dismissive of mental health issues, and and, and I want, I think they need to be taken serious, but that's, that's usually a clue that maybe this story needs to be dug into, right? That maybe something's up. In any case, Ray Buckley was questioned, but let go due to a obvious lack of evidence. After releasing Buckley, though, the local police sent out a letter to the approximate 200 parents of McMartin preschool students, and that letter did not help. Yeah, it's, this is what the letter said. Dear Parent, the department is conducting a criminal investigation involving child molestation. Ray Buckley, an employee of Virginia McMartin's preschool, was arrested September 7, 1983 by this department. The following procedure is obviously an unpleasant one, but to protect the rights of your children as well as the rights of the accused, this inquiry is necessary for a complete investigation. Records indicate that your child has been or is currently a student at the preschool. We are asking your assistance in this continuing investigation. Please question your child to see if he or she has been a witness to any crime or if he or she has been a victim. Our investigation indicates that possible criminal acts include oral sex, fondling of genitals, buttock or chest area, and sodomy possibly committed under the pretense of, quote, taking the child's temperature, unquote. Also, photos may have been taken of children without their clothing. Any information from your child regarding having ever observed Ray Buckley to leave a classroom alone with the child during any nap period, or if they have 
ever observed Ray Buckley tie up a child is important. Please complete the enclosed information form and return it to this department in the enclosed stamped return envelope as soon as possible. We will contact you if circumstances dictate the same. We ask you to please keep this investigation strictly confidential because of the nature of the charges and the highly emotional effect it would have on our community. Please do not discuss this investigation with anyone outside your immediate family. Do not contact or discuss the investigation with Raymond Buckley, any member of the accused defendant's family, or employees connected with the McMartin Preschool. So, yeah. Uh, <laughs> needless to say, if you put the idea into people's heads that their kids may have been molested, shit's gonna go down. Like, I don't think that I'll make up a person. Bob the cashier at the local grocery store has ever murdered a dog. But if someone sent out a letter saying, like, have you seen... Bob the cashier murder a dog. We're investigating it. Like that's that's kind of leading and insane. So yeah, obviously people responded <laughs> scared out of their minds that their kids have been molested. And a bunch of the kids from school were then interviewed by the Children's Institute International, an LA-based clinic ran by uh, Key McFarland. The, techs, you, the techniques used in the clinic were, to say the least, not exactly helpful. They were highly suggestive and encouraged the kids to speculate and pretend. It's by 1984, they claimed that 360 kids had been molested at the preschool. And, and you know what? If, if you didn't know that the people performing the interviews with the kids were effectively doing everything wrong and suggesting false memories and just using techniques that, when, when really kind of looked at afterwards, are just horrendously useless and just purely 100% going to create false testimonies. Like, if you didn't know that, this would sound really horrifying. Like, you'd have this professional telling you that oh, all these kids have been molested. And all of them are saying it happened. Even, like, because you, you can't judge the testimony as a normal person on the street. And, uh, even though years later, eventually the courts would find that nothing had happened at the preschool, the damage was done. The word was out. And, and, and by this time, it wasn't just the fringes jumping on board. This was 100% mainstream. All these things that had just been in the realm of the evangelical uh, crowd about, like, Satanism, like, infiltrating, like, the secret cults and everything. This was suddenly 100%, like, on everyone's mind. Preschools across the country uh, got, had more false accusations. Um, law enforcement was buying what the evangelicals were selling hook, line, and sinker, too. Confirmation bias meant that literally any minor occult signs made by neo-pagans or teenagers or both were seen as proof that these secret Satanists were everywhere. Like, you can find the Satanic Panic era, like, law enforcement documents about uh, occult crime. And it's, if you want to know how, I mean, really, if you want to know how uh, in the American consciousness this was, if you take a look at, say, The X-Files... 
not kidding, the X-Files, uh, Fox Mulder's background in that first episode they talk about is him, like, doing, like, studying occult crimes. And it's literally, like, his whole big reputation before he became the X-Files that he, like, made a name for himself was all about, like, satanic panic era stuff. And the funny thing is, is that that wasn't considered to be part of, like, the conspiracy stuff in his background. That was supposed to be the rational, like, normal agent stuff that Mulder had done in that show. Just, just some context for you. And, of course, I don't have time to, within this, you know, within this podcast, which we like to keep at a reasonable length, to go through every single horrendous thing that happened with people getting falsely accused or... Uh, police, like, looking at tiny scraps of non-existent evidence and and making wrong conclusions. If you want to have, like, if you want to feel really depressed and know how bad it was, uh, look up the murder of Kimberly Simon, if you've got a chance, or look up the West Memphis 3, or or look up the San Antonio 4. Just, just any of these cases. And I mean, or don't look them up if you don't feel like being deeply depressed right now. But to understand that the satanic panic had real-life victims is really important. That this mass hysteria over things that weren't even happening and how uh, people got caught in the crossfire, of uh, people got blamed for crimes they didn't commit, and just some really awful stuff. It's We need to, to keep that in mind. And, and all of that rose to a fervor that it would last through the 90s. It's, I mean, the satanic panic, it, it stopped being as mainstream, but the effects of it continued for decades. And it, it really didn't, really didn't slow down. It never really went away completely, but it didn't slow down until 9-11 when evangelicals suddenly had someone else to be afraid of. Let's not kid ourselves. When they had a new target to, to be fearful of, that was the only respite. That's not really a respite, it's horrible racism. But, you know, anyways, if you think about the timeline and what we've talked about in earlier episodes, this really does coincide during the, the rise of the early modern witchcraft movement. I mean, the largest form of neo-pagan religious witchcraft, Wicca, was also getting its start in the mid to late 20th century. And if you think the satanic panic didn't have a major effect, you didn't obviously you obviously didn't listen to me at the beginning of the episode when I said it had a major effect. But, you know, I don't script the intro. <laughs> so, the first thing that happened was a lot of w witchcraft resources, especially Wiccan ones, uh, started to go out of their way to explain how they had nothing to do with devil worship. In large part, they did this by throwing actual Satanists under the bus. I mean, let's let's face it, it was easy. A lot of them, no, though not all, but a lot of them were, were assholes, and the public perception of Satanism almost guaranteed it would be sought out by people who wanted to piss off their parents. Look, I'm not trying to make a general statement about all Satanists. Please, please don't think I am, but we have to understand that when you name your religion after the devil, you are going to attract a certain crowd. And those people will probably not, that crowd will probably not stick to it. 
like the, the, the people who are the real problem probably won't stay Satanists. And frankly, most of them don't even read the Satanic Bible after they pick it up, the ones who are the problems. But when those are the only people you see, it, it's pretty easy to say, you know, we're not with them. I think every witch who wasn't a Satanic witch had it prepared, but we're not Satanist speech prepared at the time. I, I know, like, you'll find a bunch of them still on, like, web pages that are, like, older, older witches' web pages like, will often have detailed, like, but we don't worship Satan. Although there are witches who do worship Satan, so, well, yeah, Lucif Luciferian? I, I always get confused with that. Like, I don't... I know what Satanism is. But I don't know too much about uh, witchcraft that uses the actual, like, concept of the devil in it, but, I mean, I'm sure somebody does. I mean, somebody does everything. I just haven't been exposed to it enough, so I'm not going to make any authoritative statements on that whatsoever until I do research, and it's not central to the thing. Alright, so, what's worse than that, though, I mean, the denial was at least factual. Like, it was technically true, like, if a Wiccan says, we don't worship Satan, you know, and or we're not Satanists, like, those two statements are true about Wiccans. Um, assuming that there's not some weird branch of Wicca I haven't met anyone from that... Oh, God, someone could. Someone could just... Okay, so most Wiccans can say that truthfully and honestly, and it's fine. But the problem is that people started to alter the content of witchcraft resources, and they started to modify it, to make it less Satan-y. And, and these are outright lies that crept their ways into uh, books on witchcraft. And I think uh, the most obvious example of this is uh, based around the pentagram. And I talk about this a little bit in the, the Witchcraft Basics kind of fact episode, episode one, but we're going to talk about this again, and this is really, this 100% has to do with the Satanic Panic. Um, there's this thing where a lot of Wiccan books stopped referring to pentagrams being the five-pointed star, and the uh, the encircled pentagram is usually what I refer to when I talk about a pentagram. Technically, a pentagram is any um, five-pointed star shape, but the uh, the encircled pentagram is what I'm referring to when I say pentagram. Um, they started referring to the, that pentagram as uh, a pentacle in Wiccan books. And... I want to be clear, if you want to call it a pentacle, that is actually an 100% acceptable word for your pentagram. A pentacle is any talisman used to focus magical energy, and usually it's circular, and usually it has a star, but it doesn't have to have those features. In fact, a lot of uh, Thelemic pentacles have six points. They have six points on their star. Um, but it doesn't have to have those features, though. But if you draw a pentagram, it's instantly an object, right? You've, you've drawn a pentagram. That piece of paper is an object with a pentagram on it. And if you associate magical energy with, energy with it, it becomes a pentagram. So if I just put a pentagram... Uh, becomes a pentacle. Bah. Sorry. If So if I just put a pentagram in a book, it doesn't become a pentacle unless someone wants to associate magical energy with it, right? So, but that does mean that the, if you wear a a necklace with a pentagram on it, it is probably your pentacle. You are probably using some sort of energy with it. I haven't met a witch who doesn't. 
associate energy with it if they wear one. Not every one wears one. Anyways. <sighs> of course, this basic explanation is not what a lot of Wiccan books of the period would have you believe. Suddenly, this really weird claim starts to show up that the pentagram, when someone uses that word, is really just the inverted symbol with two points on the top, and that the pentacle was the symbol with one point at the top. And uh, people would say that the inverted pentagram was for Satanists, and the, the quote-unquote pentacle pentagram was used by Wiccans. And that, first off, there are Wiccan groups that have a sec. There are some Wiccan traditions that have like a second degree, and they rotate the pentagram. So like, there are two points at the top. So like, that's not even true about Wicca as a whole. Like, a lot of Wiccan traditions don't ever rotate the pe their, their pentagrams, but some do. And so like, to say that no Wiccans do that is factually inaccurate. And. Like, it's just, it's just utter nonsense, right? It's just utter nonsense. Because, again, the pentagram is a symbol, and if you look at what a pentacle is, it's, the ob it's an object. And so, to, like, the, any, a pentagram is any symbol with a five-pointed star. Any symbol with a five-pointed star there. Like, it's like a Pythagoras thing, I think. Like, you don't... But they just say it, though, because they, they're desperate to avoid having any association, any association with what they view uh, with, with devil worship or Satanism or both. And it's just a lie. It, it, it started as an outright lie because everybody in the popular consciousness associated pentagrams with devil worship. And you also have to remember that, like, at this time, it was hard to get most Wiccans to admit that they weren't the only quote-unquote true witches as well. I mean, it's still a problem in our community. It's and I say this as a Wiccan, but it was it was even worse then. Like it's you 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 cannot you cannot begin to understand how bad it was at the time. But this is and this is probably the easiest example though because you can track this throughout books on Wicca and it still permeates new books on Wicca, because it's gotten passed down. And there are people who will argue until they are blue in the face that this is true. Even if it's so easily verified by looking at anything, like any cultural, historical stuff, like any actual, like, sources, that this is nonsense. Because the pentagram doesn't originate with either Satanism, Wicca, or devil worship. It, like, doesn't. And this, this bizarre terminology confusion is just the tip of the iceberg. Any witchcraft book written in the 80s and 90s, and, well, I mean, anyone overall, but especially with this material, needs to be looked at with a skeptical eye. And well-intentioned people writing books long after that uh, kept repeating these things because it's what they learned in their first sources. And, and it's, it's really bad. So, the lesson we need to take from the satanic panic is that we can't trust our own words. That could lead to a panic. Crap. Anyways, I think really, actually, what I really mean to say is that 
What it means is that, and this is just a good example, that we need to look at any source we read, any any book on witchcraft within its historical context, and we need to make sure we learn that historical context. It's really easy. It's really, really easy just to take everything at face value, but practicing witchcraft is hard, and that means looking at context. You know, if you buy a book that was written in 1985 on witchcraft, you have to think about what was the environment in which this book was published. What were the what were the effects around the world for this author when they wrote these words? And you have to be willing to question the sources. And I know it's it's hard. It's it's hard to say I need to, you know, every single thing I read, I want to incorporate this into my witchcraft. Now I got to research 10 more things. And I'm like, yes, yes, you do. I mean, most of the time you don't, because most of the time it's like, well, can I substitute this crystal for another crystal or this candle for that candle? And the answer is always yes. Um, <laughs> as long as it won't kill you, always yes. Substitutions are fine. And store-bought is fine if you can't make it from scratch. It's it's complicated, and it's it's a dark time in American history that's not completely over. Um, there are still it's not as strong in the popular consciousness as it was then. It's not mainstream anymore, but we have to we have to look out for when this sort of thing might happen again, because it always happens to someone. That time it was our turn might be our turn again. And also, we should look out for the people whose turn it currently is and try to help them, because it, we, we've been there. So we, we need to lift up the people who are currently living with that. I don't know. It's also important not to like create like a whole... <laughs> um, it's important not to create a whole uh, oppression myth just to, to, to win arguments or something, though. Like, I don't want to, like, say it was awful. Obviously, I I became a Wiccan during the Satanic Panic, so, you know, whatevs. And, and it's really important not to create a false oppression myth. Like, the Burning Times. Ooh, we're going to talk about the Burning Times some episode. That's going to be... I'm going to... might make some people mad with that one. Um... Because the Burning Times is mostly fictional. Um, I mean, it's not like there were actual like witch burnings, but when I say the Burning Times, I mean capital B, capital T, nonsense. Uh, it's that's a that's a whole other episode unto itself. Uh, there's a desire by some people to try to make their own history sound more tragic than like other people's histories, and. I'm not saying most of the time it's born out of anti-Semitism, but sometimes it is, and oh yeah, like there's some real anti-Semitic undertones to the Burning Times myth, like to say that no, it was worse for us. Like why? Why do you need to say that? Anyway, I hope I maybe I'll cut that bit out of this episode. I don't know. Anyways, thank you for joining me on this kind of weird ramble about a period in history that I grew up in. Um, remember to uh, 
follow the show on iTunes um, or anywhere else that uh, better podcasts are distributed. Please rate and review us wherever you can. Uh, follow us on YouTube. Uh, there's the thing. Subscribe to us on YouTube. Uh, you can support the show on Patreon at patreon.com slash T-R-A-G-O-R-N. And the show is proudly part of the Nerd and Tie Network. Uh, we just launched a new uh, RPG play podcast called Stormwood and Associates. Uh, using, it's like a D&D podcast, but we're using a different uh, role-playing game system, Super Awesome Action Heroes. And it's a modern fantasy, ridiculous thing that I'm... I'm really proud of that we've been doing over there. And you can find that at nerdandtie.com. Um, as always, if you want to write to the show, you can um, contact us on social media. I'm T-R-A-E-G-O-R-N on Twitter, on Tumblr, on Facebook. You can find this page at facebook.com slash bsfreewitchcraft. On YouTube, it's uh, YouTube, the, or you, you counted bsfreewitchcraft. Um, <laughs> and remember, you can always write into the show. Uh, the... Uh, the show page is bs3witchcraft.trhonline.com and there's a contact form there. You can send it there. Please tell your friends, tell your enemies, tell your dog. Just get everyone listening. And uh, I will talk to you all in a month.